This episode of Half a Star is sponsored by Glitter. Glitter. What the hell were they thinking? On this episode of Half a Star, Justin and I are going to talk to our good friend Lisa Morrison, who's a drag artist from Montreal about all things drag, including their alter ego Lizzie Strange, the House of Strange, and maybe even chatting a little bit about Joseph and the amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat? And of course, we're going to get to the bottom of Lisa slash Lizzie's Half a Star story. And let me tell you, it's a real drag. So all that and a little bit more on this episode of Half a Star, where bad ideas make great stories. He's Justin. He's Ben. Take it away, Rob. I don't listen because it's a podcast, but if you feel that you must, here they are then, Ben and Justin, together they are half of a star. Hey, Justin. Hey, hey Ben. How you doing, man? Oh, you know, I'm fine. I have this neck pain, though, that just came out of nowhere. I woke oh, yeah. up one day, and it's just been there, and it won't cease. Wow. Do you want to know uh, more? What oh, I want to know more about, Justin, is how you spent your lockdown time. Uh, well, for me, my lockdown was spent getting to know my partner on a romantic level uh, even further. We fell in love as partners, but we really got to know each other as friends, and uh, we really deepened our relationship to each other. And uh, and uh, I guess what I'm asking, Justin, is as part of that relationship, did yes. you watch any reality shows? Oh, um, yes. You must be talking about the hit on Netflix that everybody cannot stop talking about. We made it all the way to season three of Riverdale. And I got to tell you, not a great show. I mean, Riverdale was exactly what I was talking about when I was talking about a reality show. That is absolutely what I was talking about. I mean, it's real to me. Right. That makes sense. Like wrestling, like wrestling. Right. But Um, we also watched a little program, little program called RuPaul's Drag Race. Oh, yes. Okay. Excellent. See, that's what I was really fishing for there. And you finally bit and here we are. Well, Justin, a lot of people watch Drag Race all over the world. I know. Who would have thought, right? Shut up. But I thought it might be nice to have us talk to a real live drag artist, Justin. Wouldn't that be fun? I mean, yes. good, Good luck. But... What if, what if on top of talking to a real life drag artist, what if we talked to a real life drag artist who knew you when you were a teenager? Shut up. Okay. All right. That's been half a star, everybody. Uh, thank you for, okay. I'll bite. Ben, you keep fishing. This is fishing season. I assume. Yeah, I, I assume. I don't really know. Ben, do you happen to have a drag star on half a star? I do. Today. I have I have a full drag star here on half a star today. Uh, they know you. They know me, and we know them. They're a good friend of ours. I would say. I mean, they're a good friend of mine. I hope. And they know you from when you were young. They huh. helped. They helped us out on Midnight Baby for uh, for a spell as well. Please welcome to the program, everyone, Lisa Morrison. Lisa, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you guys? Good. I'm. Uh, I would like to apologize, as I always like to apologize for the long and meandering introduction you received, but we've got you in the show now and you're here. I'm here. It's all good. We're good. fine. Yeah. Good. How are you? How is Montreal? Uh, you know what? Montreal, Montreal's great. I really miss the city. Um, I woke up the other morning and walked to my bus stop at 5am because I'm working as a barista again and, um, I saw a great glimpse of the moon, and and by moon I mean um, somebody squatting by the uh, the bus stop, <laughs> not the actual moon that was up in five a.m. Um, so yeah, I'm really enjoying being back in Montreal. I missed public transit so much. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. Wow. So what we're really getting here is that public transit, the heart grows fonder with absence. 
yeah sure yeah okay, that, cool. that's exactly what i was going for yeah, yeah absolutely okay where in um, montreal do you live um i'm up in unsick right now so very close to the corner of sauve and papineau uh, so like really north oh i lived on the plateau for about three years so so fancy i know i'm pretty cool i did i, uh... I did live in a bed and breakfast <laughs> I uh, I stayed, in a, I stayed in a hotel once there for a weekend. That's, Congrats, uh, Ben. That's my Montreal story. I think it was. I think it was downtown. I don't know where I was. Downtown. Okay. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Whatever downtown Montreal is. Yeah. Then, uh, what, what was on the TV in the hotel, Ben? Uh, it was. Uh, it was hockey. I think. Uh, I Who don't was know. I, I couldn't understand them. I didn't know. That's fair. So wait, but um, you speak French. Yeah, I know, but like. You know, France French. <laughs> sure. Right. I, I speak the real shit. Yeah, Acadian. Not, not, yeah, I, I speak Acadian. Acadian. Yeah, that's the real shit. Okay. Now, Lisa, um, yes, we introduced you as a drag artist. Yeah. Your drag persona uh, yeah. is known as Lizzie Strange. I have had the uh, honor of watching Lizzie Strange on stage on multiple occasions. Uh, it's great. It's super fun to, uh, to, to watch you on stage. I think you're an incredible performer. Thank you. Um, now, I mentioned RuPaul's Drag Race off the top because I think that's a lot of people's way into the world of drag. Definitely. It was mine too. Yeah. I'm just curious right now, what is, as you're sitting there in Montreal, what does drag mean to you today? Mm. I think it's meant many things over the course of me doing it. I've, I've been doing drag since I was 18. Um, so almost seven years now. And um, yeah, I definitely got into it through, through Drag Race. But um, I think for me, it's been a way to express my gender and work through things surrounding gender. Um, when I started doing drag, I still identified as a woman. And so that was like a huge way for me to kind of um, express a lot of the things that I experienced every day, but kind of in a comedic way without mm. um, kind of taking it on head first. Like I could kind of hide behind the persona of Lizzie. Um, nowadays, it's it's been weird. Um, with the pandemic, it's been like bizarre. You've been there when I was performing. Um, I performed a few months back at the King's Playhouse in Georgetown. And it was the first live performance in, in about a year, which mm -hmm. was like my longest break before that was like maybe three weeks. Yeah. Um, so that was a weird sensation getting back into that after the pandemic. I think right now it, it's a way for me to express like what's going on in my mind, but also in like a really over dramatic way right. as if I'm not Dramatic. Ben, you know this. I'm not dramatic <laughs> at all, ever. Um, extra, no, not me. No, um, I like to take a backseat and just let other people talk. And, yeah, you're, um, you're, a real, you're a real spotlight shunner. We know that. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I'm a real introvert. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to talk about that first performance at the King's Playhouse for a second. <laughs> because you performed, by and large, for a group of people that didn't even have the luxury of Drag Race to... Uh, introduced them to the world of what you were doing yeah you know and what I really respected about it was that you you were gentle with them in a lot of ways <laughs> I think and so you you came out Lizzie came out was had rocking the mustache and a big headset and like went right for what they knew and what rural PE Islanders know better than anyone else is stomping Tom <laughs> Connors. Yeah. So you gave them the good old hockey game oh, and they were, yeah. that you won them over in that moment so well. And I honestly think that you were RuPaul for them in a very Aww. interesting way. Yeah. That's really sweet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was a weird, that was a weird show. Um, so Catherine O'Brien, who is head of Young at Heart Theater, who Ben and I both worked with for the past couple months, um, was so gracious to invite me to open for Fascinating Maritime Ladies, which is a musical review of a bunch of really fabulous maritime um, female artists who, who just, you know, have really revolutionized a lot of the music that we grew up with. Um, I was really stuck <laughs> trying to figure out those numbers um, because I was like, well, 
I usually do pop. I usually do some like top 40 stuff or like some edgy political stuff that I can get away with here in in Montreal. Um, Not usually performing for um, seniors a whole lot. I don't get that opportunity. Um, not usually performing for my fifth grade teacher who's front row center. Um, <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Miss Arbuckle, um, or, or my parents. So, um, I kind of went into that. I was really struggling for a long time to figure out what I was going to do. And I figured, um, what I, I thought to myself, what, what would my dad do? What would my dad want to listen to? Mm-hmm. Um, which stomping Tom Connors. And then from there, it was kind of like, well, you know what, Catherine's, set up this awesome show and they're expecting um, maritime women. So I went into then like Avril Lavigne and Shania Twain and a little Divine Brown um, who are also Canadian artists. Um, so yeah, I think I think the, the Lanny mustache and the the uh, hockey jersey after the Habs and, and Maple Leafs game the night before kind of broke the ice. Um, I still don't think that they knew what they were watching but that is okay, because I am here to cause confusion. Well, and, and they were asking questions. And I think as performers, that's really what we're trying to do. Totally. Right? Um, Justin and I were talking uh, before uh, about what, what we were sort of in, most interested in, in terms of talking to you about things. And um, Justin, you were sort of wondering, being from rural PEI yourself. Yeah. Uh, having grown up, uh, Lisa and I grew up in the same neck of the woods of Kings County, Prince Edward Island, very rural part of the island. Uh, the difference between rural PEI and urban PEI, mm. about a five minute walk. Uh, <laughs> so my experience growing up in the rural part of the island uh, and then moving away to Montreal and working there and Toronto and other parts of Canada, it's a pretty big difference. Pretty, It's a bit of a culture shock. Uh, for me, even for me as a cishet white dude making his way in comedy, what's it like working in drag, coming from rural PEI, going to the city, and then coming home? I'm I, I'm really interested in in what that journey is like. Yeah, um, it was wild because well. You and I have talked about this a bit um, because you're living in Hamilton. Yes. Um, I was born in Hamilton and lived there until I was eight or nine years old and then moved to PEI. So I moved out of Hamilton before I realized uh, what sketchy was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we call that we call that move, by the way, the reverse, Justin. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So Justin and I have been living parallel lives for our entire <laughs> existence. Um, so, so the move from uh urban hamilton to pei as a preteen was quite the shock um but i mean i grew up there went to high school and middle school there and that's where i call like my home base i don't say i'm from hamilton most because i don't want people knowing i'm from hamilton but um (laughs) hamilton's changed it Um, certainly has it uh uh, my one of my favorite comedians, uh, Manola Santanos, who's a Hamilton-based comic, he says Hamilton is where dreams go to fight, uh, <laughs> and ain't that the truth? Oh yeah, yeah, that's a good one. It it's it's coming up now just because Toronto is just proving to be such an expensive environment to live in that a lot of people are mar- migrating out of the GTA and now kind of encompassing Hamilton as like a. A, a step sibling of the GTA and yeah. um, it, it's pretty cool but uh back 20 uh 15 20 years ago it certainly was not the case as yeah. you were mentioning yeah it's changed a whole lot my sister's still uh living there and just going back it's it's so much different every time from what I remember um but yeah so so I grew up in PEI once I graduated high school I was like I'm getting out of here so I moved <laughs> so far away to Halifax. Mm. <laughs> that, was, that, that Northumberland Strait is a big divide though. It's a big one, yeah. no, but my, my reasoning for Halifax was that it was just far enough away from my parents that I could go back and visit on weekends, um, which is ironic now because I just got back from living with my parents for five months, um, which was lovely. Um, but yeah, as a, as a 17 year old, I was like, let me get out of here. Right. Halifax was kind of like this mix of kind of like that East Coast vibe, but also that city life. So it yep. was it was a good stepping stone for me on the way. 
And while I was there, I started doing drag. And I started doing drag with, um, I bumped into an old colleague of ours, um, Percy <laughs> Mullally, and oh, yes. who we had also done shows with in, in uh, Georgetown. But at that time, they were like, I'm going to be a professional actor. And I was just there like, hi, I'm a little high school student. <laughs> <laughs> hi, I'm Lisa. <laughs> yeah. Um probably really loud and obnoxious and they were kind of like uh, no I'm gonna I'm gonna take a few steps back but I remember one of my really good friends took Percy under their wing as a as a drag mother so Percy was their drag child and I remember um running into Percy at, at a show and going up in full face and drag like very recognizable and being like oh hey oh hey hi I know you and they were just like petrified they're like who is this huge clown talking to me <laughs> and i was like it's lisa Shh. it's lisa and they're like oh my god hi um so from that moment on we were like best buds and nice. we're still uh we we did a few shows together we would produce a few shows uh back in halifax which was like the funnest little gig that we ever had um and then after a few years of that, I moved to Montreal. So it was kind of a gradual progression out of the Maritimes. Um, Montreal, I chose it because I was looking at either like Toronto or Montreal and I looked at rent prices and I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah. Yep. Moving to Montreal. Um, yep. And the drag scene here is really fabulous. So as I mentioned before, Percy's drag mother, Ruby Strange, um, is also the house of strange that was created in Halifax that I'm a member of. So we moved in together here and they introduced me to a bunch of, of friends here. And it was just kind of like a couple of years of like running around, um, causing chaos at Montreal bars and having the best time of that. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I miss that a lot now that bars have been closed for the past year, but they're starting to come back. People are getting vaccinated. I'm really excited to get my second vaccine and then like actually spend time with people who I haven't seen in two years. But yeah, I don't know if that answered your question. I like to ramble a lot. No, no. Uh, I've got more questions. Okay, go. If anything, um, one, you having spent so much time on the island, uh, just uh, this this past year, as you mentioned, staying with your with your parents, did you run into anybody that you went to school with or uh, whether fellow students or maybe you mentioned Mrs. Arbuckle was in the audience. She was my grade <laughs> three teacher. Grade um, five. Yeah, but have yeah. you have you run into anybody from uh, the that area of PEI that knew you before drag? And uh, did you end up? Did you have to explain like, well, this is what I do now? Uh, if, <laughs> if so, what was that exchange like? Um, I, I definitely did run into a lot of people from high school. Um, being around the same small town, there's only like a couple hundred people you're going to run into, right? Yeah. Um, so you go to the grocery store and you see five people you know. But I had the genius idea that when I would come back, we were still wearing masks because of COVID. I was like, I'm going to dye my hair green. Um, and so uh, people who, who might have known me before probably didn't recognize me a lot of the time, <laughs> which was kind of, it was, it was another alter ego, which was kind of right. fabulous with the mask and the green short hair, which was like long brown and curly before. Um, I definitely did run into a few people. I ran into this guy, Justin Shaw, who I was like, oh my God. Um, no, it was fabulous uh, reconnecting when we were there. But um, yeah, so Mrs. Arbuckle came to the Young at Heart show that we did, that I talked about before. And she was sitting dead center of the auditorium and I noticed as soon as I got on stage, because I like, yeah, yeah. Um, and so I played to her a little bit. And then on the way out after the show, she ran into my parents and they started talking and they were like, oh, well, like, how are the kids? And mom was like, oh, yeah, like Lisa's brother is out west doing this. And Lisa's been home for five months. And mom kind of gestured towards the stage and Miss Arbuckle was like, wait. <laughs> <laughs> That was your Lisa. Um, so I, I think I've done a pretty good job of, of uh, disguising myself. Mm. But also it's been really lovely to connect with friends who I was 
um, really close with in high school that I haven't had the chance to hang out with in years. Um, I don't, it, it was interesting because at the very end of our internship there about uh, two, three weeks ago, um, we had a drag brunch that I organized and one of my dearest friends came out to it. Well, I was working, Lisa, like I had to be there. Well, I made sure you were working then. <laughs> Um, but I wasn't talking about you as oh, much okay. as you're a I, I fabulous that, human being. That, that's fair. Um, my friend Anna, Anna Frankfurt, and um, she was there, and my parents were there, and some of my old neighbors were there, and it was just, it was a little surreal. It was kind of, it felt like something out of a dream, like, you know, oh, you're in drag, and your old, like, theater up in front of, like, your friends and family, and... Um, but it was a waking dream. So it was just, it was, it was so cool to see. Um, and something I never thought I would see. So yeah, nice. it was pretty cool. Well, and, and to like, to really put a button on that though, like the idea of a drag brunch being performed in Georgetown, Prince Edward Island yeah. is something that like five years ago even would have been like impossible probably, right? Totally. Or, or at least very challenging. Yeah. Um, but like the, the, the execution of that drag brunch was such a beautiful day. I had so much fun. It was so, it was so like joyful and delicious and oh, beautiful. So and yeah. And Lizzie ended off the show with uh, a number, uh, it was a lip sync, but it was so much more than a lip sync to me. It was, um, it was to Invisible String by mm -hmm. Taylor Swift. And Lisa, you had constructed this. Basically, it looked like um, like a like a diamond sort of thing, mm -hmm. um, or like kind one of, of those like, things. One of those things that's on top of the Sims heads. That's what I was just gonna say. Yeah, yeah like a little diamond yeah. that would rotate yeah. above the Sims. Sort and of it, and it had a bunch of different gels in it, like lighting gels from theater. Mm -hmm. And you put in like a flashlight, and you were flipping it around based on the colors that Taylor Swift was mentioning in the song. And like, I don't like Lisa. I'm not blowing smoke here, and I don't mean to just be fawning over the guest or anything. But there was a moment there where I was watching that, and I was like, oh my god theater is back on PEI right now. And so I just like really, and like we haven't had a chance to really talk about it, but I did just want to thank you for that because that's a real, it was like, I, it was the first time that I was like affected by watching something since like 2019, basically. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, thank you for that. Um, yeah. What's yeah. kind of, what's kind of a bummer about uh, podcasts is, uh, Lip syncs don't really work on podcasts. <laughs> what do you mean? I can't yeah. just be like, hey, this is uh, now it's Lizzie that Strange way. performing Taylor Swift. And I just played yeah. Taylor Swift. Yeah. Right? <laughs> um, There's a certain yeah, visual in their minds. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, All that to say that when the country reopens and you see Lizzie Strange is performing somewhere, do yourself a favor and go, you dummies. Just go I do it. Have <laughs> another question. I have another question. Go for it. House of Strange. I yeah. understand that in uh, in the world of drag, you were mentioning there's um, drag mother as someone who like takes another a younger uh, uh, performer under their wing, correct? Mm -hmm. And they become part of the house. I was wondering if you could speak a little bit. I don't know how formal or how rigid of a process it is to become part of a drag house, and I was wondering if you could speak to what that does for your experience as a performer. Cause I, I yeah. hear about it with like the Davenports and stuff on, on drag race, but now we have a firsthand, someone mm -hmm. with lived experience to- Justin has been it. watching so much drag race and has all of this pent I up. I am so here yeah. for this. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is great. All the questions. Um, ben and I actually talked about this one time. Um, yeah, so drag houses, they're kind of like, you know, in, in queer communities, I'm really fortunate because I still am in contact with my family, but that's not all the always the case for everybody. Um, so what we do is we kind of create our own families a lot of the time with people in the community. Um, drag houses came out of the 90s ball culture in Harlem, which was um, where POC would get together and have basically these, what they called balls, which were competitions, but also places to convene as a community that was kind of underground at the time because it wasn't like a lot of the times it wasn't even legal to be queer or be trans or all that stuff. So, so it was a safe space and houses, the term comes out of that 
culture because a lot of the time these people were living in the same apartments and sharing apartments. Um, so a drag house today has kind of evolved. Sometimes they live together. I've lived with family members, um, but my, my drag house is the Church of Strange. So my drag mother, Penelope Strange, and her sister, Ruby Strange, um, connected in Halifax and formed the Church of Strange. And then I was adopted into the house, which means I started um, before being an official member. And then Penn was like, oh, yeah, you, you're doing something kind of cool. You come here and we'll, we'll, we'll have this kind of exchange. And at the time, my paint, so my makeup, was horrid. Um, <laughs> like, think like bushy, bushy eyebrows, like from my natural eyebrow up to the top of my forehead. Um, yeah, I will send you pictures, Ben, later. <laughs> um, and like, just, just rough. And Penn, who is my drag mother, is a makeup artist by trade and is fabulous. Um, I never could quite achieve her level of like expertise when it comes to makeup, but she definitely took me under her wing and was like, okay, here's how you uh, don't scare everybody you run into on the street. Um, and and showed me showed me the ways, um, and then Percy, as their drag alter ego at the time, and need a new one, um, was adopted by Ruby, and and it kind of just became like a little little house, and we had a few other members that have joined along the way. Um, when I moved to Montreal, I didn't I didn't really know anyone here, and I didn't have a reason to come to Montreal. It was kind of like I was sitting in Halifax, my lease was up and I didn't know what I was doing. Didn't have like a direction. So Ruby was like, hey, I need a new roommate. Do you wanna move in? And I was like, sure, why not? Let's go to Montreal. Um, and so we got an apartment in Verdun and- Verdungeon. Yeah. Verdungeon. Before it was like cool to be in Verdun. Like it was, uh, <laughs> it was a rough apartment, but it was lovely because of the people who I was living with. Um, and yeah, so, and we kind of had rotating roommates coming through who all did a lot of drag and stuff. Um, and, and it was just, it was like those nights of like making food together and just like bonding and doing each other's hair in the tiny, tiny shower that we had and like steaming wigs or or you know putting on some ridiculous makeup to go downtown to the village to some show and it was a blast nice. um <laughs> yeah so so drag families they're kind of like your chosen family i think is the best way to explain it a lot of the times they're like in my case all the most of the other members of my family if they're not active drag performers they they were at some point um and are still performers and artists in their own own means so so we've kept in contact that way um but yeah so they're kind of like the people you pick up along the way who you have nice. a connection with yeah well and i i think like just like every other kind of aspect of the performing life it, it is it is so much about who you know more than what you know right yeah. so like that network is so important yeah absolutely and can i ask about the name strange like you being adopted into this house and then you getting to take that name what was um it, it feels so formal calling it a process when in reality it's uh, it's a relationship based on like love kinship that mm -hmm. uh, brings you together but what was um that journey of uh actually having the name part of your identity yeah so so when i started doing drag it was just Lizzie. I was kind of like a share, like a, right. like a Britney or like Madonna kind of moment. I was like, yeah, it's just going to be Lizzie, um, which comes from my middle name, Elizabeth, which I got from my great grandmother. So when I told my mom that she's like, that lady is rolling in her grave. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so it was Lizzie. And then I wanted to make a Facebook account for my character so that I could keep in touch with other members of the community and for gigs and stuff. And I was like, I need a last name because Mark Zuckerberg needs me to have a last name. Right. Um, and Percy and I were probably a few drinks in one night at Pride in Halifax after an Adore Delano show rolling down Citadel Hill. Nice. And we saw some sort of advertisement for like 
Halifax Hurricanes. And there was a joke that my parents always made when I was a teenager that my room looked like a hurricane just ripped through it. So I, I, my, I took the last name Hurricanes for a while, um, which was my, so Lizzie Hurricanes was my drag name from basically probably a year in until I left Halifax. And when I left Halifax, both Ruby and I had different um, last names than what we do now. And because we were both moving to Montreal, uh, Penelope was moving to Toronto, and a few other members of the house were staying in Halifax, including Percy. We were like, we need something to kind of like, you know, show that we are family, that like this is mm. our kind of drag troupe, this is our creation, right. and we're kind of uh, co-collaborators in a lot of ways, or like endorse each other's work. Um, so Ruby and I approached Penn and we were like, hey, question. Um, and she was like, yes. <laughs> what do you want, you ridiculous chipmunks? And um, <laughs> we we're like, so Church of Strange, it just makes sense that we take this last name. Is that OK? And she's like, mm, let me think on it. And then like a few minutes later, she's like, yeah, take it. It's <laughs> your family. Um, That's beautiful. But it was kind of like a vetting process. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like, I had to do a credit check and some yeah, references. And exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I put a few different references on there, including um, everybody at the King's Playhouse. But um, <laughs> no, but. <laughs> Justin Shaw. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know this kid. Yeah, that explains it. a couple of phone calls I got about three years ago. <laughs> what can I'm you tell me about Lizzie Hurricanes? Mm, uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, do you mean Lisa Morrison? Because I remember them when they were corn. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you mean this Lisa Corn? Call. Yeah. Click. Um, um, yeah. Great. That is beautiful, though. It is. It's a. It's a heartwarming story of uh, of connection and and yeah, fellowship, as Justin said. I go. love it. I don't know. I'm just so like friggin' fascinated by names and just the culture of drag and how these people find each other. And I'm also like a little envious because. Uh, this stay with me on this one there right, uh, i'm down we had a professional wrestler bradford montague on our show and um uh something that we kind of went back and forth on were the similarities between wrestling and, and comedy and just mm. the kind of cultures and uh cliques that form in the in the industry and how you have those nights you're up late you're cooking together you bond together mm. but uh Ain't none of the name stuff in comedy. Nobody gets like cool names or churches. Would, so Justin, what would your drag name be if you could if you could have oh, a drag name? Oh, let's play this. I know oh, that you guys oh, are I'm, ready for this. Yeah, yeah, ben yeah. and I have talked yeah. about this. Okay, yeah. okay. I've got a new answer though, Lisa. I've got a new answer. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. I'm here for it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, um, so know. so Ben and I were talking about it and there was some formula yeah. to get to it. Do you want to explain that? Yeah, so basically I saw it on Facebook. It was one of those things that was like, here's how we're going to get your personal information. But like, <laughs> I think I think it actually does work though. And it's like your childhood pet in the street you grew up on. <laughs> like the name of your childhood pet in the street you grew up on. Mine okay. would be Ruby Stanley with that equation. Not bad. Yeah. Mine would be uh, Cheesecake Carlton. <laughs> nice. Uh, I don't know if I have a street name because New Perth isn't really a street. <laughs> yeah. but highway if, four. Highway four. Uh, I think I would be Lucky Cardigan. Which, oh, that's uh, good. That's Ooh, nice. I, like that. I feel like um, that could be my name in or out of drag. You the, know? I can see that yeah. drag queen right now. She's like performing a whole ton of just Taylor Swift. The, um, <laughs> the best, the best one of those I've ever heard though mm. was uh, Justin, our mutual friend Sean Young. He did that. He took that quote unquote quiz and his name was Tilly Trans Canada, which I think <sighs> in terms of a drag name, it's the that's pretty the darn top. good. Yeah. I, think it was, I think it was also Sean that uh, wanted the name Big Pharma as a, as a drag <laughs> name to be a, a Welcome nurse. Welcome to the stage, Big, Big Pharma. Pharma. <laughs> All right, Ben, is it time? I think it's time. I yes. think it's time. Um, so Lisa, um, again, we did not ask you on here to review Joseph and the Amazing Time Healer Dreamcoat. Um, it's just a service I offer. Yeah, and no, I appreciate it. 
we asked you on here to talk about dragon now we've done that mm. uh we asked you on here to catch up with both of us we've done that the only thing left i think to uh, tick off of our checklist of the half a star podcast is to get to the half a star story. <laughs> uh, this is, of course, for those of you who are unfamiliar, this is the part where we get our guests to tell us the story of one of the worst ideas they've ever had. An idea so bad that in the retelling of it, it becomes clear that the bad idea makes a great story. Now, I texted you about mm -hmm. this in preparation mm -hmm. for this interview, and you sent me back one question before you agreed to do this <laughs> and the question was is it okay if the story is gory and i said yes now i hope i won't live to regret that but the floor lisa is yours so it's a story about al gore <laughs> no 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 um so the story happened during toronto pride a few years ago um i was still here in montreal doing my thing um ruby and i were planning on visiting penelope and our other family members in in toronto for pride and i got a gig um working at a show with Dottie dangerfield and the house of filth um at cherry colas downtown um yeah, so I got a chance to perform one number in front of people I've never known before. So I was like, oh shit, what am I going to do? Mm. Uh, and I set up on... Probably yeah. not a good old hockey game crowd, I would think. <laughs> you know what? I think they would have would have enjoyed it. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, House of Filth throws down. They're like shoving cakes in your face yeah. while like fully naked and like right. playing the so, flute yeah, or something. It's not the vibe, not the vibe. Not, well, yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> um, I still don't think what I delivered was quite the vibe actually, but it did kind of go down in history. Um, all of Toronto knows me now for uh, losing limbs, um, which is why I'm known as the lizard queen. So <laughs> I have this gig at Cherry Colas. I decided to perform s.l.u.t by Bay Miller. Um, sweet little unforgettable thing. Get your mind out of the gutter. I didn't say anything. Yeah, anyways. Um, so I have it in my mind that what I'm gonna do is I will bring a pinata and fill it with condoms and candy sure. and smash it at the end of this number and throw all the condoms and candy out at the crowd and that will win them over. You love to see it. So, so I can't bring something to hoist this pinata up on in my carry-on to, <laughs> to Toronto on the bus, but I can bring a carry-on that is the pinata, the big pink unicorn, and my little pink suitcase with all my drag stuff in it. So I get to Toronto, pinata and suitcase in hand, and I'm like, I need something to hold this up with. And, and I have a friend who's gonna step in for the number and act as a mannequin and hold this up for me and let me like be like, oh my God, you're the hottest person ever and rip his clothes off. And thank you, Ashley, um, if you are listening. Um, and, and so I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go to Dollarama and I'm gonna get some sort of a pole that I can duct tape this pinata to and it'll just, be held up and that'll that'll do the trick so i go and i get a broomstick and i'm like oh this is perfect i can just zip tie it onto the end and another one to like whack it open with and i go to the show there's like 20 performers we're all squeezed in backstage but also like up and watching the show and i start performing my number and it's going great and like the last 30 seconds i gotta whack this pinata open um and the pole, the pole starts to like tweak in half the, the, the broomstick. Mm. Um, and it's at that point that I realized that broomsticks are hollow and made out of metal, <laughs> but I have 30 minutes or 30 seconds to finish this number. So I whack it again and the pole snaps in half and I'm like, okay, well, whatever. And like, I look at my hand and it looks like I got a little paper cut from it. And you know what? I'm like, nope, this will not stop me. It's just a paper cut. I take my hands, rip open the piñata, and start throwing the condoms and candy out at the audience. And they are loving for it. They didn't really, they were like, oh, well, the thing broke, but like mm. they continued on and the show must go on and it's great. Um, 
So the number ends, uproarious applause. I run to the bar to see if they have a first aid kit with like a band-aid in it. Mm -hmm. And Ruby is with me and comes downstairs with me and the person at the bar. And she starts, the lady at the bar starts wrapping my finger up in gauze. And um, I'm like high on adrenaline and maybe a beer or two in. And she's like, okay, well, this gauze isn't quite doing the trick it's it's bleeding through a little bit i'm gonna put another one on and like hold it above your head because that'll like help mm. with the the blood flow um and help it to clot she does that again she's like i don't think this is working so i'm gonna call you an uber to take you to the hospital so at this point i'm like hey ruby can you run upstairs and grab pen and let her know what's happening because there's like 10 other folks that were upstairs with um and and Penn, I think, probably had my phone or my purse or something. So Penn comes down. They help me up and out the back door. The show's still going on because this is drag. This is pride. It's going on. Um, and there's this fabulous photo from the event because the stage is at the front of the bar and there's windows going out the bar. Um, I had drawn in lipstick slut all over the the windows. And the last number with Dottie is Dottie's like closing the show, performing her heart out. And through the window, you can see us getting into the Uber to the hospital. Um, at this point, Penn had taken my wig. So I was still in costume, still in like thigh high boots, um, getting into this Uber bald um, with Penn and Ruby holding my shit. And they get to, I think it was Mount Sinai in Toronto is that, yeah, is that a, yeah, okay yeah, yeah, yeah. cool um in emerge it's probably like 2 a.m I'm like you know what's not practical for a hospital thigh high denim boots <laughs> so Ruby helps me out of my boots which of course I can't really do because it's a two-handed job and one of my hands is out of commission um and we replace my boots with um with hospital booties <laughs> So now I'm bald in my outfit, full makeup and hospital booties. One of my friends in drag, one of them out of drag, holding my my boots. Um, also, that friend is like petrified of hospitals, but is here for me because they are the most amazing human ever. And they're like, you know what? I'm 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 not doing so great. I'm gonna go out for for a smoke, and I'll be back. Um, and I'm like, that's fine. I'm I'm just like still like not even coming down from the adrenaline rush of mm. all of this and mm -hmm. been like laughing my ass off being like haha we're in the hospital um so we check in <laughs> with the nurses we're like oh what happened to you and we explain what has happened to me to them and they're like oh okay um we might want to take you in for stitches for your finger you wait here do you want any painkillers and they give me t3s wow yeah um, and we were in there for a little bit longer and then they ushered us into kind of like another waiting area for the doctor. And in this waiting area, there's some, some guy who has been going through it, strapped down to a chair. Um, it was quite alarming and doesn't recognize us when we come around the corner. But like when my other friend comes back from their smoke break, it's like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> and like, they have to put him under after that because he gets a little out of control. Yikes. Um, so we were just like, kind of like, what the heck is going on? The doctor comes in. I tell my friend who's afraid of uh, hospitals to go home. I'm going to be fine. I have my other friend with me. Um, and like, we had plans for tomorrow. So like, you got to get to sleep so we can get to brunch in the morning. Don't worry about my yeah, finger. Right, I'm yeah, fine. Right, yeah. Um, <laughs> And, and so the, the doctor comes in, undoes my bandage. Um, I look away because I'm not the best with blood, not horrible, um, but not great. And as I look away, I'm looking at Penn and Penn is just there like, uh, and like, this person is tough as nails. I yeah. like to see her wince. I'm like, oh, great. Okay. Um, doctor looks at it, asks me a few questions asks while laughing so what happened to you again i read the, <laughs> i read your document but what happened um looks at it says um i can't really stitch it up because there's nothing to stitch 
So it turns out when the when the um, broom handle broke, it took the very tip of my finger, like not down to the nail, but like quite a bit of it off, like down to the nerve. Oh. Um, what? <laughs> says I can't. I can't stitch it back up. Um, what color was the broom handle? He's like, was it blue? And I said, no, it was red. And he's like, okay. And he bandages it up, does up his sheet and um, gives me more T3s. And so he's like, you're going to be fine. Just keep it elevated, keep it up. Um, he's like, so I did clean it up. There was glitter in the wound. So I had to take <laughs> that out. Um, which he then do a, drew a diagram up of and gave it to me on my discharge files. Um, we left the next day. We had purchased edibles at the gig, so that helped with the pain. <laughs> and I just kind of like was out of it all the bus ride back to, to Montreal. But I do still have those discharge papers and there is a note on it saying had to remove glitter and that is now framed in my apartment. Incredible. Yeah. <laughs> you, so you lost like a part of your finger? Yeah. So it's it's a little bit off the tip if I if I hold them together. Oh yeah. Uh, this one's a little bit flatter than the other. Yeah. It just has a little little scar on it now. You would never know if I didn't tell you. It took about six weeks to grow it back. So now we say that Lizzie is actually short for lizard rather than um, Elizabeth because I, I grew it back like an iguana. <laughs> and this is how all the drag queens in Toronto, if they know me, know me. Wow. Yeah. That's, huh. wow. I, I really appreciate that the pinata was full of condoms. So you were preaching safety. Well, um, if you if you think about it, by the time that my hand reached inside to grab the condoms, I wasn't opening the pinata with my bad hand. Yeah. But I was reaching in with that bad hand and right. throwing it out at everyone. Yeah. Yeah, that's the reaction <laughs> I'm looking for, Justin. Justin has his. I have face bombed. Uh... Imagine imagine like being at that gig and then waking up the next morning and looking on your bedside table and there is just like a little <laughs> tiny condom that is just covered in somebody's blood <laughs> i i don't know if they could tell by that point i don't know how much it was bleeding yeah. but it was not sanitary um there are definitely a few drag queens who have eaten the candy of that pinata uh, so they're um, fine you know what if if you ate my blood then you're probably immune to COVID, anyways but... <laughs> <laughs> i think that is how you become a member of the Church of Strange. You have to imbibe <laughs> the blood. Blood sacrifice. Of the, yeah. Blood of the Lizard Queen. I love it. I love it so much. And oh, the wow. Mithlib's on. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Lisa, thank you for sharing that. That, um, you might notch. need to put a content warning on that one. I am so sorry. No, that's good. No, I mean, we're happy to hear it. I um, think as, as we promote this episode, we'll have to share that photo of Lisa Simpson, uh, at, a at Duff Gardens uh, with the towel going, yeah, I, I am the Wizard Queen. <laughs> yes, uh, I have been said that be way like too of, many times. Yeah, it'll be like out of context Simpsons, but once you listen to the episode, you'll understand kind of thing. Like, Oh my God. Let, let's cast our minds back to, what was it, Justin, 2009? 2009, 2010, I believe I was in a play at King's Playhouse. I was but a wee tot. It was a production of Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Uh, I had no interest in being in a play at the time, but my partner uh, really cajoled me into auditioning. I showed up the same day they did, and I, uh, I got in. And um, in the process, I fell in love with the art form and I fell in love with a lot of people in the cast. Uh, many of them I'm still in touch with, many I grew out of touch with, but as it turns out, Ben, our guest today was one of the ones in the cast. Hey. Wow. wow. Lisa, who did you play in Joseph in the amazing I, Technicolor Dreamcoat? You know, I played the uh, seminal role of uh, Child Bride. 
no, I was Whoa. one of the I was one of the chorus members. So I was uh I think probably in junior high at the time and yes. I was cast as the wife of one of our friends who was also uh, in the cast. So child so child bride was more of a production specific role and less of a role in Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dream. Yeah, no, exactly. Okay. <laughs> I don't think you'll find it in the original script. But yeah, so if I if I go online and I'm like like do like a search you'll find the, only me. Right. Yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> what uh what I enjoyed about that uh that show was I got to play the eldest brother in uh Joseph's team of brothers. Uh the head asshole basically. <laughs> Listeners, uh the story Joe, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to circle back to this. Lisa. could was Joseph a drag star maybe, maybe? moving up we're gonna probably back. that coat definitely was <laughs> but this is the story of joseph both of the bible and of the musical joseph had a nice coat and his brothers said out of there get the fuck out of there can't have that we're no gonna pretty coats should we destroy his coat and yes. The, the, yes, but the eldest brother, me, was also like, yeah, but let's fuck this guy up. We're going <laughs> to get him. We're going to put him in a hole. We're going to ditch him. And then uh, he gets framed for like adultery or something. He uh, tries to mack on uh, some mafia person's wife. And yep. uh, then uh, he gets really good at predicting the weather somehow because <laughs> he's good at having uh, weather-based dreams and helps a pharaoh uh, figure out his crop situation. And then um, the brothers are all like, oh, our crops suck. Let's go to the pharaoh. And then Joseph's there and they don't recognize him because it's been a minute. And uh, he, uh, he plays a little game with them. And he's like, Lisa, I'm kind of forgetting the story. Yeah, I'm I was going to say, I've not ever seen Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, but it is this plot synopsis is not nearly what I expected it to be. But you know what? I think Justin has it pretty much down. Uh, <laughs> I don't remember much more than that. Okay, this is what we're going to work off of. We're going to work off of the most reliable, uh, reliable website here. I'm on Wikipedia. Lisa, oh, yeah. you chime in. Okay. Uh, all right. Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Uh, I don't know if the word technicolor appears in the Bible, but uh, it's based on the story of Joseph from the Bible's book of Genesis. A narrator opens the show by introducing Joseph, the dreamer. And Joseph sings an inspiring but seemingly meaningless song to the audience. <laughs> the narrator then draws the audience's attention to Joseph's father, Jacob, and his 12 sons. 12 Justin sons. being the eldest. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Jacob, the father, he favors Joseph over the other sons and gives Joseph a multicolored coat uh, or technicolored, if you will, to show his affection for him. Because, you know, when your dad just loves you so much, he's got to give you a big, beautiful coat. Uh, Joseph loves the coat and his brothers look on with jealousy. And uh, and his brothers were like, no, fuck that. Yeah. Uh, let me tear you a new one. And uh the brother's jealousy is compounded by Joseph's dreams, which should suggest that he is destined to rule over them. He's dreaming that he's going to rule over his brothers. And to stop it from happening, they try to kill him by throwing him down a well before changing their minds and selling him as a slave to some passing Ishmaelites. The narrator comments on how powerless Joseph was to stop this. I think I also played the role of one of the camels. <laughs> um, the back one of Camel 2. <laughs> to hide what they have done, Joseph's brothers and their wives, the, hey. they, they tell <laughs> Jacob that his beloved son has been killed. And as proof, they show him Joseph's coat, which has been torn to pieces and covered in, in goat's blood. Yeah, you definitely tore a little baby lamb part in that number. I remember that. <laughs> When the devastated Jacob exits, the brothers and wives cheerfully celebrate Joseph's departure. And that song apparently is called The Hoedown. <laughs> because it was a country western number. Uh, meanwhile, Joseph is taken to Egypt, where he is bought as a slave by the wealthy Potiphar, who I also played, I'm just remembering, uh, 
because we we got cast in like multiple roles in this mm-hmm. show. I played Potiphar. He works hard and is promoted and eventually running the household. This is Joseph. Which I was also a member of. I think as another slave dancing in the background. <laughs> Uh, Joseph catches the eye of Mrs. Potiphar, although he turns down her advances. Potiphar sees them together and jumps to the wrong conclusion. And heartbroken, heartbroken, he just got cuckolded by Jacob. (laughs) You know, cuck Potiphar. So he's heartbroken. He throws Joseph in jail. And Joseph laments his situation. It's a very Uh, sad song. Two prisoners, both former servants of uh, of the pharaoh are put in the cell. Joseph interprets their strange dreams and predicts the butler will return to pharaoh's service while the baker will be executed. Oh, what? This is yep. ooga booga. Um, as Joseph questions his predictions, the other prisoners encourage Joseph to follow his own dreams. And this is and uh, this is just the end of Act One. <laughs> Yeah, Benton. Have Children's you... theater. Yeah, Ben. Have you seen this show before? I have not. No. Well, buckle up. We're just getting into Act Two. And one was a disco, I think, at the end. It was a Go 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 Joseph, which yes. is uh, not unlike Go Go Power Rangers, or Go Go uh, Gadget, whatever. Thanks, Ben. <laughs> Gadget. I'm I'm in on this. Uh, The narrator opens the second act with the news that there's a glimmer of light for Joseph in jail. The Pharaoh himself, he had a a run of crazy dreams and nobody can interpret them. We've all had those dreams, Mm -hmm. right? Corn, stars, whatever. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Pharaoh, Pharaoh's now freed uh, prisoner, the butler. He gets out and he tells him all about Joseph's skills in deciphering dreams. And the Pharaoh now brings Joseph before him and he describes his dream involving seven fat cows, seven skinny cows, seven healthy ears of corn, and seven corn. and seven <laughs> dead ears of corn. You were corn? okay. Were, were you were you a live corn or were you a dead corn? I was a live corn, okay. though I have been dead for years. <laughs> <laughs> Joseph deduces that they that there will be seven plentiful years of crops, followed by seven years of famine. And this is this song is called Pharaoh's Dreams Explained. Catchy 11 o'clock number. Uh, impressed with what he hears, the Pharaoh puts Joseph in charge of preparations for the famine and the former slaves become his sec, uh, and the former slave becomes the second most powerful man in Egypt. And uh, this is called Stone the Crows, which is a cool sounding title. Children's theater. Yes. Meanwhile, Joseph's family back home, that's me, the brother, is now starving and poor and having lost their farm and they're living off scraps in a brothel, children's theater. Uh, Joseph's brothers regret what they did and how they lied to their father, thinking uh, things might have turned out differently if Joseph was still, still with them. Hearing that Egypt still has food, they traveled there to beg for supplies. And in Egypt, the brothers beg for food from Joseph, not realizing who he is. And this song is called Grovel, Grovel. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Joseph gives them sacks of food, but plants a golden cup in one in one of the bags belonging to Be- Benjamin, the youngest brother. So they plant that. Yeah, they they plant a cup in the bag, and uh, Joseph stops them as they're about to leave, and he finds the cup. And he accuses them as a thief, but as a, you know, a wink, wink, nudge, nudge situation. I'm going to pull a little a prank on my bros here after, you know, they tried to kill me. Um, so the brothers are like, we didn't do this. This was all, this was all a misunderstanding. And so how do they explain it to the Pharaoh? How? They Please do it us. with a song uh, sure. called what Benjamin, sort of song? a Calypso. <laughs> <laughs> A song called Benjamin's Calypso. Sung by Justin. That was me. Uh, (laughs) Oh no, not he. How they can accuse him is a mystery. That's all I remember. (laughs) That came uh, to me some piece of choreo. That's all I remember. (laughs) And I remember the director asking, can you do a Jamaican accent? And uh, we we worked through it and uh, we had proper affectations, I think, just of uh, speaking in more of a head voice, I think. Uh, 
Yeah, I'm not going to show anybody my Rastafarian impression. That is not appropriate. <laughs> Joseph sees that his brothers have changed and reveals who he really is. Joseph sends for his father, and upon meeting Jacob for the first time in years, Joseph sings, any dream will do, and the lyrics are revealed to be a vague overview of the story, which is what you want in a, in a song. Jacob gives Joseph his coat back. He's somehow fixed it. And in some productions, the cast perform a medley of the songs from the show as they take their bows in a song called the Joseph Mega Mix. Um, that was, there was, a, there was a period in musical theater history where every play seemed to end with a mega mix. Uh, I think Mamma Mia probably started it and then everything they kind of came after for the period of like 10 years afterwards. Like, yeah. So I don't remember the mega mix. Do you remember the mega mix? I, I think it was just like a, it might've just been go, go, go Joseph, like just okay. kind of like amped up and we were all just bowing really fast. I mean, there's lots that I really don't fast. remember. I honestly, I forgot. A lot of it. I forgot your track, which to be, <laughs> to be fair, like we're all kind of focused on our own thing. But if we kind of took a minute and looked at Lisa's track of child, bride, slave, and corn, uh, Maybe we would have, uh, maybe we would have. Maybe the world would have been a better place. Yeah. Thankfully, I didn't have to do a Jamaican accent. Which yes, I'm that's true. Yeah, no. Grateful for. Now, believe it or not, everyone out there listening to this, this is not a Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat uh, podcast, nor was that supposed to be the focus of this interview. But Thanks, that's God. okay. We're pivoting all over the place on the Half a Star podcast here. We could either do a poor explanation of the plot of Joseph, or we go all in, Yeah, go in for the full no. Wikipedia treatment. I'm here for it. Now I feel like I don't have to watch it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you've shared so much with us here today, Lisa. Thank you so much. We got to learn about the origins of the Lizard Queen, the origins <laughs> of your name, also uh, about a little bit about drag, about what that means coming coming up through uh, in a rural community, community, then moving to a city. And then we got to learn a little something about Joseph and the amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Which Honestly, is what people were really here for. Yeah, and, and I like to think that what we do here on Half a Star really is educational entertainment. So the people were really happy to learn about Joseph that way. Like we like to do here on Half a Star, we like to educate as well as entertain. So uh, I hope that the listeners learned something during all of this because I know Please, I sure let did. us know what you yeah. learned. Yeah, that, send, that all, send, all of, send all of your stuff to Lisa. They will, uh, I, I have it on good authority that they will respond to all fan letters. So uh, dare you. <laughs> uh, Lisa, right. this is traditionally the part of the episode where we let our guests plug something. Here, here's the music. Here's the music. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my God, that's yeah. iconic. So plugs, plugs, plugs. Um, obviously, am, yeah. obviously it's a weird time to be living and performing. Uh, you have mentioned that bars are just starting to open up in Montreal. So mm -hmm. uh, gigs to come, I suppose. Gigs to come. Um, I'm heading back to school too. So there might be some theater stuff coming up. Okay. If you want to keep in touch with me, my uh, the best way is by Instagram, mm -hmm. and my handle is at Lizzie L I Z Z Y dot Strange S T R A N G E, and yeah, follow me. Um, send me a message. Apparently, I'm gonna reply to them all, or <laughs> or I will forward them to my trusty sidekick Ben, who yeah, will reply your, your, in my your honor. Personal secretary. Yeah. Um. um I would also, uh, I think, Lisa, just given the fact that, uh, you know, we have been talking about this, um, I would just like to plug the show Loki. I think it's Oh, my God. Watching. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, already figured out Halloween outfits. Yeah. Is... Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a gender-fluid Marvel character, and it's canon? Hell, yeah. yeah. I'm going as alligator Loki. <laughs> nice. That, that works for you, Ben. You know. That'd be I... great. I don't know if she knows yet, but Diana and I, I think we're going to go as the uh, the the leads from Party Down. 
Oh uh, yes, that's cool. That's, that's <laughs> we're we're a bit of, about a decade off, but yeah. <laughs> no. Apparently, apparently they're doing a reboot. So we're we're either really behind or really ahead. It's, <laughs> you can't really tell. Anyway, Lisa, thank you so much for stopping by. We really appreciate it. It's so great to see you again. Thank you guys. It's been lovely. Yeah, it's awesome. Listeners, that's been another episode of Half a Star. And I don't know about you, Ben, but I learned a heck of a lot. And I'm a big fan of drag, and I'm really lucky we were able to have Lisa come on and share all this wonderful information. Listeners, if you like what you hear, we ask you go check out Half a Star and Lizzie Strange online. We're going to be sharing lots of their stuff on the interwebs, and hopefully they share some of us as well. And hopefully they share some more drag clips, more drag info, more dragon info. I mean, I'm always down for more dragon info as well as drag info. So listeners, do what you can. Go support your local drag artist and support your local podcasters. Check us out online. If you want to give us a follow, a like, a share, maybe leave a friendly little comment on the podcast section. It goes a long way. I don't really know how. I don't know the numbers game of this thing, but uh, hey. It's us versus the world. You help us out here. (laughs) Exactly. That's been it for another half a star, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Remember, black lives matter, trans lives matter, every child matters, get the vaccine, be good people and be kind to each other. We'll see you next week.